left fielders. This is the Infielder Spotlight Podcast, powered by Left Field Investors. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Welcome to the Infielder Spotlight episode, where one of our infielders share their story with host Chad Ackerman. Listen in to gain insights from our community on how to create financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the LFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Chad Ackerman. And with me today are infielders, Stephen and Becca Taylor. Stephen and Becca, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll play ping pong with you guys, getting everybody engaged. You're only my second multi-person podcast, so I'm a rookie at this still myself, but we'll see what we can do. But again, happy that you guys could join and Love to hear the stories. Now we'll get two for one on this podcast, which is great. But why don't we start out with the easy stuff and tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what do you do for a living? I'll kick it to Stephen to start out with. Okay. Thanks, Chad. Stephen Taylor. I, uh, we live in Boston, Massachusetts, actually. Been here for about six years. Lived before that, lived in Connecticut. And before that, actually in Cambridge, right down the road from where we are right now. What I do for a living, so I'm a classically trained scientist. So I've worked almost 20 years in biotech and pharma, first doing research, then more recently, I transitioned more and more into the business side of the pharmaceutical industry. And now I pretty much do alliance management, program management, and business development, which I've liked that pivot. And I think I'll never go back to kind of bench work and doing sort of science at a, at a lab-based uh, position. We definitely hope we grow in our career, right? And uh, can walk away from parts of it. Yeah. Becca, how about yourself? I was also uh, trained classically as a scientist, but took some years off to raise our kids and they're all getting older and kind of moving out of the house now. So I made a career pivot and started working in the tax field, which don't get any bright ideas. I'm too busy to take on anybody else. um, It's been a lot of fun just learning something new and still using the skill set that I was trained with. So that's my W-2 work currently. Yeah, interesting. So it's the quintessential story of scientists find their way to real estate investing, right? Is that what this is? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got started in this space and what drew you into it. Right, do you want to tell it? Well, it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> so we had always invested traditionally you know, in the stock market. IRAs, etc. And mm-hmm. fall of 2021, our middle child, who was about 15 at the time, asked us, hey, what do you guys know about real estate? And we looked at each other and said, we own a house <laughs> that we live in. <laughs> and that was about the extent of it. And he's always kind of looking for the side hustle. It'll be interesting to see what he does with his life. But he's always thinking of different ways to make money that aren't a traditional job. So we purchased a lot of books. And Steve was really the driver behind this. Read a ton of books, started with the purple book that everybody reads and kind of went from there. That's awesome. I have not heard the story that my 15-year-old provoked this yet. So that's awesome. I definitely heard it from somebody else that influenced me to start. 
but it was not my child. That's for sure. So that's awesome. That engaged that early on and everything else too. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably already thinking about ways to generate income passively and to reduce your tax burden. But did you know that you can retain more of your W-2 income by investing in oil and gas? As you might know, my income is generally passive, but if you're a high-wage earner who still gets a large portion of your income from a W-2 job, this investment opportunity could help you hold on to more of your hard-earned money, which means you have the chance to make more passive investments. Billy Keels and the team at First Generation Capital Partners are experienced with investing in this sector, and they have a free download available for our listeners who want to learn more. To find out just how much you can save by investing in oil and gas, head to firstgencp.com slash LFI pay less tax and download your free guide. Hi, this is Zach Hapenstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise 48 Equity. At Rise 48, we've successfully purchased 38 different properties worth over $1.5 billion worth of real estate and gone full cycle and sold 11 different properties drastically exceeding projections for our investors. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas markets, then we're the group for you. To learn more about investing with us, visit our website at rise48equity.com and set up a call with me. Thank you. So you started reading the books. Tell us then, how did the journey go? How did you get started here? Sounds like this is just within the last couple of years then? Yeah, so it's the past year and a half. And so we wandered around just like everybody else does through, I think, the who's new to real estate, through all sorts of different, I guess, investment vehicles in that world. But we did a lot of due diligence, first of all, which, which I'm very thankful for. Because for me, it feels like really, really the wild, wild west compared to my sort of more classical training, stocks, corporate paper, mutual funds, all this kind of stuff. And so did a ton of reading, went to a number of meetups here locally in the Boston area, checked out the forums on your, you know, the bigger pockets, and eventually started really reading and getting interested in left field investors. Yeah, by that time, we had already purchased two single family homes down in the South, not in Massachusetts or Taxachusetts, as people like to call it. And those are doing well. But at the same point in time, Rebecca and I both have W-2 jobs. And we're, if you read any of Robert Kiyosaki's books, we're, we're square in the E quadrant. And so for the types of returns and the time that we were trading off to manage those, it really started to not be worth it. And so we started to get more and more into passive investing. And a big driver of, of that, Chad, was the website and the group that you guys put together, you, Jim, Steve, Sean, Ryan. That really was a huge driver and what I would say is kind of a big inflection point in the way we started to think about and take advantage of the investment opportunities within real estate that we'd never even thought of before. Uh, so it was really a huge driver and a, and a value inflection point in the way we thought about our careers, our investing, and the way we kind of want to start thinking about not trading time for money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's awesome. Now, thank you for that. I love to hear that product we're putting out does bring some value here and there. So I really appreciate that feedback and everything. So when did you guys finally pull the trigger then on your first passive investment? And what's that part of the journey look like so far? Yeah, so the first passive investment, we invested in arrived homes, just a very small amount of cash because we had been looking for single family homes in Massachusetts at the height of the market. Interest rates still hadn't gone crazy, but we had learned all this stuff and we were just ready to put it into action. Um, Steve's background in business development was just so helpful because we really laid out like a 10-year plan with concrete goals and where we wanted to get 
to. And we were just getting frustrated. So first investment arrived homes was January of 2021. And then we invested more significantly in the summer fall of last year. This is not advice for other people to do. But what we chose to do was based on just looking at the market and market dynamics. We felt quite strongly in the first quarter or second quarter of last year that we would be entering a downturn in the market, in the real estate market. And we figured, hey, let's invest anyway, just to get started and to start learning. And even if we don't make money, even if we lose a little bit of money, that's okay, because the education we would get more than pay for that potential loss. And so we were pretty conservative, I would say, on the single family homes that we that we purchased. And we focused our passive investment after the arrived homes on what we had learned from or heard from other people that tend to be more recession resistant asset classes. And so we jumped into sort of ATM funds, which I think um, has historically been pretty recession resistant. And we jumped into another syndicator that focuses on <laughs> mobile home parks and self-storage. Again, if I told my family about this, they would like freak out. Right. <laughs> so they might hear this podcast and find out. Uh, that's funny. But if I tell people from left field, they love it, right? <laughs> that's the benefit of the community, we think. Those like-minded people that you can pressure test these ideas on because your family will think you're crazy. So <laughs> exactly, you're proving the point for the communal <laughs> setup that we try to do. That's great. That first action always seems like the most difficult one. Any lessons learned or advice that you might give somebody that's a couple steps behind that's looking to make that first move that maybe you look back on now and think, gosh, either it went well because we did this or gosh, I wish I'd done something different. I would say that, yes, it was very difficult to wire that first check. (laughs) (laughs) But the second one was a lot easier because we had already been through the process and understood what the operator was going to need of us. By that point, we had more education in how to read the deals. You know, we had been reading some PPMs and that's becoming easier because we've done it more often. We also got involved in a tribe, a bunch of people from LFI, which has been great because we can bounce ideas off each other. Just like in the forums, we can ask each other, hey, what's a great sponsor that you've invested with on your own? Are there any sponsors you stay away from? And that's been super awesome. Like we didn't know these people before June of last year, and it's been fabulous. That's great. I think it's a great way to get educated more because hopefully there's some more veteran people in the tribe that you might be able to learn off of. But I think it's also a great way to spread out your capital and your risk that makes it easier to stomach than writing that check by yourself, that wire by yourself that especially as you're starting out and everything else. I think it's great you found that avenue as well to help get you onto the journey that you're going You've kind of talked about this a little bit, but any other resources? I mean, you've mentioned some books, some podcasts, the forums. Any other resources that you guys found helpful that might be worth sharing with the community? So in the books category, I'll give a big recommendation to Dennis Shapiro's book, who's also an infielder. I wish I had read that first. I think that's a really, really good introduction to the whole space. And then Brian Burke's book, I think, I like that order of operations, I'd recommend because I think... Dennis does a great job of laying out at a high level an introduction an introduction to kind of what does it mean to be passive investor? What are the different asset classes and when and how do they perform? And it was and only after I'd read his book, this was after we had invested in certain operators. And it was very affirming to see that some of the operators that we had actually invested in wrote some of the chapters the back end. And so that was like, okay, well, that's good. So that's affirming. <laughs> 
And then the other thing that we got a little bit tripped up on was, so I tend to be pretty detail-oriented, and I was reading the entire PPMs when I first started getting getting PPMs from sponsors, and that can be a little bit overwhelming. One thing I'd recommend is there's a whole diversity of PPMs from different operators. You can get ones that are just books long, or you can get things that are... We came across one operator where their PPM was really, really laid things out very, very well. Now, regardless of whether or not you invest with them, I'd recommend at least trying to grab their... their, If you're new to the space, I thought that they did an amazing job with their offering and explaining everything and how it works, especially to new investors. And that's uh, Crystal View Capital. They did a really, really good job. And that kind of sets the standard for me. When I go and look at other operators, I kind of say, what was, how does this compare to that particular PPM and what may be missing or what might be confusing? And that's the one piece of advice I'd give to folks is find one operator that really does a good job of, that you know, like, and trust, does a really good job of laying out the investment and the risks, and then use that as a baseline when you start betting other sponsors. That's a great tip because it, it's daunting the first, well, even today, some of them are your point are like reading through war and peace or something it's a novel so i think that's great tip just to kind of get yourself familiar with the main parts that you're really concerned with in the ppm and not get overwhelmed with some of the legalese that's in there as well so great tip so i know one of your other resources is a local meetup that you guys have there in boston i thought maybe you could talk about that a little bit and how that's developed and affiliated with left field and so forth too I'll let Steve take this because that's kind of random how it started. It is a little bit (laughs) random, Chad. So on the LFI forums, there's a new member introduction section. And so I posted in there and I said, I don't know if there's guidelines in terms of what you should say, but I think it's really important when you post to say, you know, where you're from and where you live. And so I posted, hey, I live in Boston, et cetera. And all of a sudden people started to ping me saying, oh, I live in Boston too. I live in Boston as well. I live in the Boston area. And this was kind of mid-2022 that we started doing this. And then it got to the point where we said, well, we all have all these people in the Boston area. How about we just sit down and meet in real life, which is quite comforting, right? It's one thing to have giving advice and random posts on the internet, but it's another thing where you can actually you know, see and speak to these individuals. And nonverbal communication accounts for greater than 90% of all communication. And so I thought that was really, really important. And it was, I think Chuck Cito is the one that originally suggested we get together, who's also an infielder, or maybe Dave Morowitz. But about three or four of us said, hey, let's get together and have lunch. And so we go and do that. And then all of a sudden, you know, one of them looks a little bit familiar. And I was like, man, he's, he's interesting looking. And it turns out, our daughters had been to each other's houses. He lives right down the road from me in the same town. <laughs> and we never met. <laughs> Dropped my daughter off at his house once, but uh, we never really met or anything. But it's so funny how it took us. That is funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're killing my logic saying that you can't go to your neighbors and talk to them about this because apparently you can. But yeah. no, that's great. That's hilarious. It's a little bit weirder because then we started inviting other people that are in the general area to say, hey, we meet up once in a month. We're interested in past investing. Let's have lunch and just chat. And so we did that. And it's like, oh, you know, there's one guy who was in my town again. He showed up. He's like, oh, I'll give you a ride home. Okay, no problem. Drive back to my house. He's like, I've been to your house before. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, stop. And it turns out his son and my son. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. I know, exactly. He's like, his son and my son actually are pretty good friends. And so he had dropped off his son at my house. Oh my gosh. So your your son <laughs> provoked you to get into this. Your children are linked to other people in it. I think you need to start tapping your children a little bit more. See what else they're holding out on you. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. 
Do you want to add to that, Rebecca? Oh, no, I was slow to the game because I knew Steve was meeting a couple guys and I didn't want to <laughs> be the only female. But generally now I started going, it was a little overwhelming initially. And Steve said, no, no, these guys are great. They're really down to earth. And that's what I love about getting together with them. I learned so much and it's just like affirmation and it spurs us on. It's really exciting to other people with the like-mindedness. I think it's incredible. My history with it, everybody just loves to talk about real estate when you start talking to people in this industry. And so it's a common denominator that doesn't matter your background, your W-2, your education, your whatever your gender is, whatever. Everybody just seems to just love to be able to talk to somebody that's into the space and, and share knowledge about it that I think is wonderful. I think it's a great common ground for everybody in the community that works out for love field. I know because we get a lot of good dialogue that way. But locally for you guys, too, I think that's awesome. Pretty sure if I remember right, you guys reached out to us, say, is it okay if we get a, a local left field group together? And we thought it was the best idea we'd heard. We love the idea of splinter groups because we can't get out to everybody. And I'm sure you've heard the story, but we started left field with the intent it was going to be nothing more than a local meetup. And had it not been for the pandemic, we wouldn't be talking to you guys today, I'm sure. So we love the idea. We're really happy that you guys are doing it. And I know Steve Sue made it up there one time and got to meet a lot of you while he was there for a conference. We love being able to do that too, get out and meet local groups when we're there. Well, we definitely appreciate it, Chad. And it was great. It was kind of surreal to meet Steve in person. I know it sounds <laughs> funny because it's just like a normal dude, just like everybody else. But we met a couple of the local guys. I think myself, Paul, and Evan Carson met up with him and a couple other people down in downtown Boston. And after that, during one of our lunches, we said, hey, maybe we should try to reach out more broadly and say, you know, we've really benefited and really appreciated the community that Jim, you and the rest of the guys have put together. So we said, okay, maybe we'll just set up a, a meetup and put it out there and see if anybody else is interested. And then Dave and I got talking and said, well, let's call Jim or email Jim and Steve and see, hey, we're happy to call a Boston Pass Investor Meetups, but would it help the community and payback a little bit more back to you guys if we tagged it as, you know, a local LFI and so we reached out to Jim and Steve, and they were super supportive. So it's been running. So our first official meetup was January. Mm-hmm. Our next one, thank you, Becca, for scheduling it. She's more on the ball with that type of stuff. <laughs> also, I think it comes better if it comes from you than me. <laughs> She's much better looking than me. So if she puts the meetup out there, I figure that's better than some random dude. And so our next one is at the end of the month. And we plan on running it for six months and just see how it goes. If more people join, great. That'd be wonderful. So there you go. Get your plug in right now while you're doing it. That's great. No, I think it's awesome. We kind of hope that people in other parts of the country hear this and maybe find a group local that they can start up as well, because we just think there's a lot of value in it. We think it helps all the community, because I think you guys hear stuff and you bring to the forum and share with the rest of the group, which I think is awesome. So we really appreciate you doing that and tying it in with us and us collaborating as most we can anyway. But we're also happy to be able to get up there every now and again, too. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's definitely something we want to give back because like I mentioned earlier, the you know sort of real estate world can be kind of a little bit like the wild, wild west. And there's kind of great things out there. And then there's also, you know, areas where you might want to avoid. Like um, I tend to be a little bit anti-guru, anti-kind of investment circles and inner circles and stuff like that, paying thousands of dollars. And I look at that end of the spectrum and I say, okay, avoid that. 
And then I look at the other end of the spectrum, which is what you, Jim, Steve, and the folks put together, which is, hey, it's pretty much free, the service you're putting together. And that's kind of the culture that resonates with us, our background and experience. And we want to try to perpetuate that in a local way here. In my experience, people feel much more comfortable learning about this stuff if they can actually see you, meet you, shake your hand. That gives them that extra sense of confidence that this is not some type of weird scam that your parents told you about back in the 80s, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Don't put the word Ponzi with it at all. But yeah, no, it's funny. We've kind of had this epiphany about left field in the last few months of because of how we started and what our intent was when we were originally kicking it off, we were able to build a culture before we ever saw it as a business. Then it migrated to a business because organically it just grew like wildfire over the past three years. And we are proud of the culture that we've built, that we try to protect it above and beyond anything that we do from deciding what to do with a business side of it. And we didn't start this up intending to make a living off of it or expect it to be our retirement or anything like that. We expected just to learn. It was selfish. We wanted to become better investors ourselves, And we knew if we had a community, we would become better investors. And we absolutely have. So that's really our approach with everything we try to do with Left Field now is keep that attitude towards it. I think it's valuable. We think it's done a lot of good for a lot of people, which is why we have a very engaged community. Community, I think, too. It's like you guys and what you've done in Boston to start up your own local group as well. So super cool. What's next on the agenda for you guys, for the club, for you guys, whatever? Any uh, plans ahead in this space? Yeah, we're always betting, looking at deals. We have some interest in a possible short-term rental of our own for cash flow, but we're kind of watching the market and waiting for the market to make sense in our spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And in terms of the meetup, just we'd love to meet more people in the Boston area that are interested in passive investing. And some of us are spinning up a tribe as well. So we have what we're in, Becca mentioned earlier. Yeah, we're in one tribe and then we're spinning up another one with um some local folks as well. Some people that are on LFI, some people that are not yet on LFI, but (laughs) but we'll get them there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. I guess, yeah, we just set up a tribe vest with that one. So it's pretty close to closing. Hopefully we get that tribe and continue to try to get some passive income here to become financially free and have that, you know, be able to retire from our W-2 jobs if wanted. That's a good goal. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, hopefully maybe we can get you to Columbus this fall for our next LFI meetup. It would be great to get you guys down and see you and get to meet you in person as well. For the year, that's our goal yes. is to go to uh, at least one conference and obviously prioritize the one in Ohio. Cool. Great. Great. That'd be great. We will see. More details coming. We're trying to start nailing that down ourselves here sooner than later. But well, cool. Well, Steve, Becca, I really appreciate you guys coming on today. This is great stuff. Really love the dialogue. Love seeing what you guys are doing up in that area and your own personal goals. Keep tapping those kids. My gosh, those kids are geniuses. So (laughs) 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 but thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Absolutely. And thank you to all of you that listened in today. Hopefully you got some nuggets out of this. I did. I thought it was a great conversation. So really appreciate it. And we'll see everybody next time in the spotlight. Visor provides investors with a secure platform that displays a comprehensive view of all of their holdings on a single holistic dashboard from real estate syndications to private equity, crypto, 
to traditional investments with AI-driven, unbiased, honest insights to maximize return. Visor is your one place to rule them all. Automating performance tracking, projecting future cash flow, analyzing all your financial documents and much more in one powerful solution, making it easy to follow the money. Sign up for a free 30-day trial now at Visor.co. Hey, left fielders, this is Julian McClurkin. When I'm not on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm the chief storyteller for Tribe Vest. Now, you might be thinking, why would Tribe Vest hire a Globetrotter? <laughs> well, through my travels around the world, I've met so many amazing people and heard their incredible stories. And it's no different at Tribe Vest. My job is to share the stories of people investing together as a group, as a tribe. TribeVest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their LLCs and bank accounts, help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. Whether you're investing with other dads from your kid's preschool class or getting into real estate syndications with people around the country like LFI infielder Brian Pawnell, TribeVest helps them all make it happen. If you want to hear more about stories about TribeVest's customers, just check out TribeVest's YouTube channel. And if you're already ready to start investing as a group, head on over to TribeVest.com today. Thanks for hanging out in the infield with us today. If you're interested in becoming an infielder, you can find us at leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email directly at chad at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.